A three-month trip home to Christchurch from London to donate a kidney to her mother has turned into a two-year stay for expat jeweller Hannah U. Pritchard, but she's making the most of her time here, creating new work from borrowed and found materials, as well as selling her jewellery online, including recently to one of her heroes, actor Tilda Swinton. She's also gained international attention when she collaborated with musician Warren Ellis, the owner of a famous piece of gum chewed by singer Nina Simone in 1999, to make it into a piece of jewellery. You can see examples of Hannah's work, including that famous chewing gum casting on our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash standingroomonly. On her own website, Hannah has a photograph of a tiny hand with crossed fingers, a piece of jewellery she says she wears all the time. Hannah, I want to start actually by asking about the jewellery that you wear, because I went online and there's this beautiful little crossed fingers, I guess people might see it as a charm, uh, and you mentioned that you wear that. So what is what is the jewellery that you love that you wear that means something to you? Certainly that charm has been a real treasure for me. I made it when I was having difficulty, and I thought what I need is something that's kind of on my side and makes me feel more powerful. So I made it as a manifestation charm, and Actually, three days after I put it on, I bought a house with my twin brother in London, which is amazing. So it clearly works. (laughs) One of the things I love about your site, and I've been thinking about this, is that you want your jewellery to be joyful and to be a companion rather than a decoration. And I think they're actually very powerful statements in a very kind of simple, straightforward way. Yeah, For me, jewellery is extremely intimate and actually most of my work is bespoke and I do one-off pieces for one person and they all come to me and I'll describe something that, a message that they need to send to somebody that they love or a message they need to send to themselves or maybe a story that they want to remember and I need to find a sort of visual poetry that speaks only to them that they can wear and when they look at it they know the whole story behind it and for me I I love this intimacy and I love the individuality of it so for me that really is what jewellery is about. Without naming a client can you give us an idea of a a story that they this client brought to you that really that really moved you and that you were really pleased with not only the conversations you had but the finished product? There are so many of them. I guess I love the sort of embarrassed boyfriends who turn up and they're like, well, I want to give my girlfriend something really special. We've been together for five years and I always call her Fox. And this is so embarrassing to say, but she always calls me Wolf and I want something that combines these things and they're just blushing. And it's so cute because... The fox and wolf bracelet that I made is absolutely gorgeous. And it really doesn't look like an intimate piece to anybody else looking on. But for both of them, they know the full poetry behind it. And I think it's really, really charming to have those moments. Hannah, you've been uh, here in New Zealand for the last couple of years. And I think stranded was a word that I saw. I'm not sure if you feel stranded by the events. Um, but London has very much been, you know, your home for well over a decade now. But this time in New Zealand, what's it been like for your jewellery practice? And even just thinking about what you create. Yeah, the work that I make 
really, really speaks to where I am. That's certainly true for me. If I'm in the Atlas Mountains, I'll be walking around in Morocco and I'll find gemstones and build them into the work that I'm making there. And when I'm in London, I go mudlarking and I'm walking along the river and collecting treasures and make work that I find there. So in New Zealand, because I'm coming into my parents' home and they're amazing collectors and both very creative themselves, I find these amazing things around the house. And then I just start working them into my jewelry. So certainly the place that I am really informs my practice a lot. And that's something I really like. What are some of the things that your parents have very generously, obviously, <laughs> allowed you to go and work with from their collection? My brother has a farm, and when he kills the animals, my parents collect the bones. So I have these beautiful, respected animals who have been brought up with love, and then I get to make something from their bones, and I find that really lovely. My parents have given me their amazing stone collections. We're all little magpies. So when we go to the beach, we pick up beautiful things. And I actually do fossick through the stone bowl and just steal what I want. It's so naughty. <laughs> also, my mother has the most incredible beads collection from things that she's found around in the charity shops in New Zealand. And yeah, I, I have to admit, I've stolen a lot of those as well. Well, b borrowed for a higher purpose, I think we'll say that in case everyone's <laughs> listening. But you've got an incredibly close, you know, your family's really close, uh, and the reason you've been here for a couple of years um, is a, a clean donation to your mum, which is remarkable. And I think you've even kind of reflected on that in your jewellery. Yes, yes. I came over to New Zealand for three months, two years ago. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, it was to donate my kidney to my mother. And we both were told it's going to take about three months to recover and you should be good to go by then. I do a lot of acrobatics, partner acrobatics. And for me, three months, certainly I was not yet good to go. And also for my mother, she experienced a few complications and she's older. She's 74. So no, I'm really, I treasure the time that I've spent here. So what was the jewellery then that came from that? The jewellery, I um, while I was in Wellington, I had the wonderful luck to meet Judith from Avid Gallery. She is amazing. And she asked me if I would want to do a show in her space. And she said that something she really liked about my work was the sort of personal aspect. And was there some story that I could tell that might speak to her clients that they would find interesting? And I thought... Well, really, the only thing that's been happening for me at the moment is preparing for this donation physically and mentally, doing the donation, and then recovering from the donation spiritually and physically. So I made the work about that. And it was about, it's a sort of reflection on myself. And I'm a twin, so my ideas about me and other are a little bit more flowing than most people. I think I have looser boundaries about what of me is me and what of me isn't me. And then I loved the idea about being able to give the body that my mother gave to me back to her. I found that really touching and very, it felt very natural for me. 
Could you describe one of the pieces? I did some kidneys that I had carved out of some beautiful wood that an uncle of mine had found in a riverbed. And it was this huge log that he carried out himself all the way back up the river. He was a fisherman. And instead of carrying back fish, he carried this beautiful ancient wood. must have been in this river for hundreds of years to have become so dense. So he carried that out and gifted it to my father, who's a beautiful woodworker. And my father gifted this wood to me for this show. I carved that into a kidney. And then I carved wooden bones out of the bones from my brother's farm. And from my mother's embroidery and um, kind of sewing collection, I made a sort of thread that tied us together but was also speaking about arteries and bodies. And so it was a kind of a work that if you look at it without a spiritual lens, it would just look like a piece of work about guts and surgery. But for me, the kidney has a slightly love heart shape and the needle was representing the stitching us together more, making us closer. And the artery thread, it's like a kind of weaving us together and making us one. I love that. And I also love the fact that on your website, you're saying that, you know, you, you embrace the bumps and the tarnishes and the faults that, that might come through in your work. And I thought, gosh, in this age where we talk so much about perfection, you know, the perfect body, the perfect smile, the perfect apple, I find it really refreshing that you're not driven by that. The world has become so accurate and um, it's very simple to make perfect jewellery and it looks very machined and very exact and very cold. And I think, strangely, as more and more of what would normally be private is sort of wandering out into the public domain, I think that what would normally be our own secret is suddenly under a public gaze. And so I like my jewellery to sort of fight against that and to not be striving for perfection because it is a domestic thing. It's a personal thing. It's a private thing. Even though you wear it out, it's speaking really directly to the wearer. So I think that allowing those imperfections and seeing them as character, not flaw, is a really important thing that we all need to really hold on to now because it's so easy to lose track of it. One of your highest profile commissions involved Nina Simone's chewing gum. Now, Warren Ellis was, was interviewed on RNZ a few weeks ago, and I was fascinated by the story, this talisman that you helped create. So how did the two of you get to work on, on this project? He is very good friends with a friend of mine from London. And he asked this friend, do you know anybody who could help me? I need to have this piece of chewing gum made permanent somehow. I need a sort of insurance created for it because it's going to, it's going to leave me and it's going to go into the world. And frankly, I'm terrified. My friend gave Warren my number. He, we organised to meet and he would bring the gum and we would make this cast of this absolutely treasured item. 
I always remember it as being a bright yellow hideous plastic bag and he opened it up and you could see his hands were almost shaking he opened it up to show me the gum and I said to him well this is wonderful we're gonna have to get it off the towel and you could see this kind of series of realizations dawn on poor Warren who was like oh yeah we can't just do it by looking at it can we like we're going to have to change this gum you know we need to remove it from the towel Hannah's going to touch it with her hands it's going to touch some other surfaces poor thing he was amazingly brave about it but <laughs> I was I was really touched by his trust and so I was removing the gum and then I suddenly realized that he thought I would just give it straight back that I wouldn't need to keep it with me and I could just do this amazing duplicate while he was watching and um yeah it was, <laughs> it was a very funny conversation to convince him that the gum would be safe and that I really did truly understand its importance for him and I think in a funny way that's how the book came about because I could see his anxiety and I wanted to make sure that he wasn't feeling stressed so I would send him pictures of the gum in the safe, in my studio, in the parchment paper, the casts as I was doing them. So he could be sure that the gum was safe, that it was being treated with respect, that I knew where it was, that it hadn't been thrown out by accident. And um, yeah, the series of images that I sent to him inspired this amazing, I mean, you've read the book maybe, it's beautiful, it's absolutely beautiful. Technically, was it tricky then? Because clearly you were trying to handle it as little as possible and heaven forbid, damage mm. this very old gum. I mean, was it quite yes. fragile? Uh, I was really, really lucky that it was actually in a little ingot already. The, the shape of the gum was very simple not to compromise and the um, folds in the gum weren't too prone to catching onto substances. So in that, I was greatly relieved when I opened the towel because I could see it was going to be okay. Um, because Warren didn't want anyone else but me to touch it, it meant that I needed to sort of invent a technique to make the cast. And I decided to use two pieces of, um, I think it's called Das? No, it's not Das. Super Sculpey. So I used two pieces of Super Sculpey and I pressed each side of the gum into it. And then I just joined them together using my imagination. So it's a very inexact duplicate, but it also was the one that affected the gum least. We didn't need to attach a sprue. We didn't need to put it under heat. So yeah, I, and actually in a way the imperfection, well, that's how I work. <laughs> if you're gonna use me for a jeweler, I guess that's what you're gonna get. It also reflects your, I think you call it yourself, your MacGyver approach. Very Kiwi, <laughs> yes. I have to say, inventing techniques, yes. right? Um, I, I never was trained in how to make jewellery. So I started off using the wax from cheese and I was complaining to a jeweller that I met at a dinner and they said, you do know that there is jewellery wax, right? I no, Amazing. So... Um, yeah, it was it was a wonderful thing to discover I didn't need to smell of cheese. Well, 
making jewellery. Um, everything I've done, stone setting, everything, I try to do it my way first. And then when all else fails, I go and seek guidance, which generally I ignore. But still, it's good to know. Sometimes it's really useful to know what you should be doing. And sometimes it's really good not to know what you should be doing because it gives you so much more freedom. Jewellery, of course, you know, as an extractive industry in terms of the metals often, the, the diamonds, the golds, you know, what are the materials, the metals that you like to work with? We, we've touched on this before, but I know recycled materials, fair trade materials, these are really all important to you. Yes, they are. I Because I'm working a lot with one-off clients it means that they very often will be bringing in gemstones that they've inherited gold that they've inherited silver that they've got lying around so i can melt that down and reuse it which i find is the ideal situation um, i also go to op shops and look for pearls or for silver or anything i can melt down because i think yeah it's it is a it's a really difficult balance. Sometimes I remember I was really having a bit of a freak out about being a jeweler because it is not great for the world. But the friend that I was talking to at the time said to me, but Hannah, you're the only person I know who's a jeweler who should be making jewelry because the things that you make, people want to keep forever and people want to inherit and your pieces are pieces that are made to last. So actually everyone else should stop making their jewellery and you should be the one who keeps making yours. And actually I found that really reassuring because of course everybody is now really aware that humans have a dreadful impact on the environment and, and our, our desire to have unnecessary things is really, really bad for our planet. And of course jewellery is one of those things. Hannah, we, we started by talking about your time here in New Zealand. Are you going to stay or is London calling you back? Uh, I, I really do miss London a lot. And of course, I've got no idea really what I'm going back to. I, I know that I left my house behind intending to leave for three months. I've got all the materials to build a studio sitting on the deck at my house. So my poor brother who's living there has just had this building material in a massive lump in the middle of his backyard for a long time. So I do need to go and build my studio and to finish the house. I redecorated the house myself. So um, there are just little things that I hadn't quite finished before I left. So I do want to go back and sort that out. But um, being here for a long time has made me feel very much more connected to New Zealand again, to my family who live here. It's been really amazing to be able to spend more time with them. And actually, I think I would like to try and have a 50-50 life for a few years because the older my parents get, the more precious each moment is with them. Hannah Hugh Pritchard, her work will be seen as part of the upcoming AVID 30th anniversary show in Wellington. Um, we're going to put the full interview up on our webpage.